On this week's edition of Generation Oblivious, we've got robot janitors, drunk pigs fighting cows, Luke Skywalker gets arrested, President Trump won't walk 250 feet, and a man gets swallowed by a whole anaconda. All that and more on this week's Generation Oblivious. This episode of Generation Oblivious is brought to you by the National Forest Raking Association of America, the NFRAA. They have a new home. If you visit thehiddenpixel.com, click on the link. You can join now. For a $20 donation, you will get an official NFRAA shirt, and you'll be a member of the club. Watch weekly for um, new and exciting raking techniques, and watch for wildfire prevention tips. That's on thehiddenpixel.com, and look for the NFRAA tab. And we're back. What's up, buddy? Not much. So, any exciting work stories? Uh, as far as that goes, not honestly this week. Well, that's good. How about you? Really, no. Of course, it's kind of like the calm before the storm of the... Christmas sales. Yeah. Which we, we really don't get much. All right. But yeah, nothing nothing insanely obscene or frustrating or new. I mean, frustrating, yes, but new, no. Oh, yeah. Nothing to bring up. Lack of people doing the work that they want us to do. This article was found on Breitbart. All right. Retail giant Walmart announced Monday it will use hundreds of janitor robots, automated floor scrubbers, at certain U.S. locations next month. The store chain said that merchant that machines made by San Diego-based BrainCorp can clean floors even when customers are around and are already cleaning floors at airports in Sandy in Seattle, San Diego, Boston, Miami. Brain CEO Eugene Isaacvich said. Walmart said 360 robots will be used by the end of January at select locations. So I assume you are not one of the select locations. I have not heard a thing about this. We can take anything that has wheels and turn it into a fully autonomous robot. Provided that it can go slow and stopping is never a safety concern. And it is more than just navigation. It is to robots what Android operating systems is to smartphones. (laughs) Oh, wow. To train the machines, Walmart employees take them on an initial training ride so they can map the route. Once that's done, the bots work on its own after the automated function is activated. Built-in sensors allows it to scan and avoid people and other potential obstacles. We're excited to work with BrainCorp in supporting our retail operations and providing our associates with a safe and reliable technology. As the Vice President of Central Operations. So what do you think of that? I mean, it's just a way for them to get rid of more people. Yeah. So, it seems like a logical step for Walmart to do next. Do I think it's a good end in the long run? Not a chance. It's just, it's, what's the what's the failure rate of one of these machines? I mean, I'm going to guess it's extremely low, but the thing is, how much are you going to trust customers to deal with them when they see them? Right. I mean, yeah, you can't even trust them to use the the trash cans they put up in the place, or or the uh, the the electric wheelchairs, like mm-hmm. people that don't need them ride on them. Yep, the ones that ride on them do it stupid. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I don't see People it working. Are just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a novel idea, but I just don't. Right. And I really don't see the point. Like, maybe if you had like a spill cleanup bot, but right, it can't very well. I mean. It's not, like, I worked on the floor crew for a Walmart, so I know what it takes to clean up the floor, you mm. know. And it's not just, you don't stand behind the machine and just walk behind it. Like, you have to stop every so often and clean off the blades because you just get, like, random dirt and stuff caught up in the caught up underneath it, and you have to yeah. clean it by hand. So this, this, this robot's just going to be scrubbing the floors and leaving streaks everywhere, and it's really not going to get anything done. I could see it being used for more of, like, an emergency, like a spill cleanup, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you just hit a button and it... I don't know. Or well, just with the whole programming, it, it sounds more like a Roomba situation. Yeah. So not really emergency if it's going to have to take a whole route to get to where it's going to go. True. So since we're speaking of robots, mm-hmm. and here's like you couldn't even have prepared this any better. Amazon robot sends 24 people to the hospital after unleashing bear repellent in the warehouse. Nice. Yeah. So, according to this article, a can of bear repellent, this was in a, um, an Amazon warehouse. warehouse in New Jersey, a nine ounce can of bear repellent fell off the shelf and then a robot ran over it. It just says accidentally punch, punctured the can. Ran over it, probably. Yeah. Rupturing the can. Or, I, I mean, in my mind, I like to picture like its little robot hand tried to pick it up and it just crushed it and it was like, oops. <laughs> but a, a cloud of gas, the can erupted, sending, you know, bear repellent, which is, right. you know, Designed for bears. concentrated. It's made with capsaicin, which is a, a component of chili powder, but it's meant to scare away, you know, giant bears. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's worse than like a pepper spray. Right. But the irritant caused 80 people to complain of irritated eyes and throat, while 24 were sent to local hospitals. And one employee was taken to intensive care unit at Robert Wood Johnson Hospital and intubated. Oh, that means his throat just closed up. Damn. He's not going to go work for a while. Yeah. I mean, you could say, like, this was the first attack of robots on humans, so. I mean. Uh huh. Retaliation is what yeah. you're saying? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, next time you're at Walmart and you see one of those little robots putting up. Uh, Putting up price changes and flags, you might want to... Uh, it's going to squeeze some oil on the floor there, make just, a slip. <laughs> just keep your eye on it. You never know what it's going to do. So this story caught my eye. Mm-hmm. And there was one. Do you see the... It was a local guy made national news because of his name. Okay. His name was... His first name was Luke. His middle name was Sky, and his last name was Walker. And even Mark Hamill got in on the joke. Mm-hmm. And, but he's from Elizabethan, like the town okay. that we're in right now. I hadn't heard about this. Yeah. I mean, he just got picked up on, you know, a random charge mm-hmm. and whatever. But his name caught national headlines and everybody. Um, yeah, did he legally change his name to this or was it his no, given name? No, that, that's his parents named him that. What a poor poor life that guy lived. Yeah, but it's, um, I mean, me being a Star Wars fan, you know, you want to name your kids after Star Wars. But logistically... If your kid is named after Star Wars and isn't into Star Wars, then it's really not a cool name. Right. Or if your kid's getting arrested and making national news, you know, I mean, so right. he, his dad has to be a Star Wars nerd. 
So his dad just is... Or his mother, at least. Right. And his dad just completely oblivious to it. Well, yeah. So one of the parents could have pulled one over on the other parent. Wouldn't their last name have to be Walker? Yeah. So they already had that changed, or was Well, that, that was their name, so then he, he mm. you know... He probably, you know, pitched it out as like, what do you think of, you know, the name of Luke Sky? And it could have been worse. They could have named him Jaja. <laughs> yeah. A booze-pilfering, drunken, feral pig has caused chaos by running amok in an Australian campsite and starting a fight with a cow. The belligerent porker went on a drunken bender after stealing and drinking three six-packs of beer that had been left out by campers at the DeGray River campsite in Port Hedland, Australia. In the series of events that followed, the animal went on a ransack rubbish, rubbishing bin bags to find some late-night snacks before starting a fight with an innocent eyewitness cow. Following the boorish rampage, the pig decided to swim out into the middle of the river before collapsing drunk under a tree and falling asleep. Every once in a while you come across a story that is so perfect, so splendid, so beyond compare that even a world-class blogger such as I cannot pr- improve upon it. I just want to point out, they pointed the cow as an eyewitness. Yeah. I, that, that was a little bit. Where's the testimony from the cow? <laughs> Where's the statements? I gotta see them. Oh, just imagine it being like a South Park episode. Moo, moo. The pig was later involved in a in a car accident and died. Yep. Don't drink while being a pig. Driving part was someone else's fart. <laughs> I mean, pigs, I mean, pigs in the wild are kind of ferocious. Like, they're, they're like pretty, hogs, yeah. yeah, like, you know, the wild, wild boars and stuff, they'll, uh, territorial shit. Yeah, I mean, they will fuck you up if given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, I just wonder, I mean, I know it being drunk had to have caused... I mean, it had to impair its judgment, because why would a pig right. fight a cow? But that's pretty funny. Headline news. Texas man admits to kidnapping 79 people to anally probe them while disguised as an alien. Alrighty. So this could close a lot of uh, open investigations in the uh, alien world. In El Paso, Texas, a man who was arrested by the FBI yesterday has confessed to kidnapping and sexually assaulting several dozen people while using costumes, drugs, and special effects to have his victims believe that they had been abducted by aliens. 73-year-old Arnold White was arrested after a joint investigation led by the FBI and the, the El Paso Sheriff's Office and the El Paso Police Department. Originally interrogated about four crimes committed in the region in the 1990s, a retired trucker confessed a total of 79 kidnaps across California, Nevada, New Mexico, and Texas over a period of 40 years. <laughs> Mr. White confessed using a mix of hallucinatory drugs containing LSD and PCP to subdue his victims before approaching them and carrying them into his truck to assault them. In order to confuse his victims even more, he had set up the inside of his truck to look like an operating room and would wear an alien costume. This guy had too much free time. Daryl Johnson described the abuse that the accused afflicted to his victims as extremely disturbing. He would insert fingers and objects into their various body cavities. He had even created his own sex toys designed to look like alien tools and medical instruments. 
He chose victims who were gullible and might fall for his trap. Several of his victims were actually UFO investigators he found hanging around Area 51 of Roswell. Man, how pissed would you be? That is an interesting tactic. Arnold White now faces a total of 347 criminal charges, including several charges of kidnapping, aggravated sexual assault by use of drugs, oral copulation by anesthesia or controlled substance, assault with intent to commit a sexual offense, and possession of a controlled substance. He could face a term of more than 382 years to life in prison if found guilty of all... I mean, eight years in prison, he'd probably be dead. The 73-year-old was detained... Was denied bail this morning and will remain in detention till being on trial in the first of December. Let's hear your inner conspiracy theory about how this guy's actually innocent and they're framing him. <laughs> I mean, look at this! Look at this picture. He didn't have to use much makeup. He looks like a golem. Yeah, he looks like a Smeagol. If you yeah, mean. yeah, he does look a lot like Smeagol. He found his precious O-ring. But wouldn't that suck like... You know you hear these people who are like, I was abducted by aliens. And you know people don't believe them, but in their heart of hearts that they know it was real. They know what they went through and they believed it to be true. And now, come to find out, you were just sexually molested? Yep. Like, Wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah. I just... I don't know. Like, everything you thought you... I don't know. That would just rock your world, I feel like. They could also be in denial. Yeah, I still think that it was an alien. Yep. Be like, no, no, no. All you other guys got molested by this truck driver, but not me. In their head, that would be better than... I was actually molested by an alien. Not some old guy who looks like he's from Lord of the Rings. That's actually a pretty brilliant scheme. And I don't know why nobody's made like a comedy movie about this. Like a comedy horror movie. Mm -hmm. That'd be hysterical. Kind of like, what was it, Walrus? Tusk. Yeah, I'm glad you knew exactly what I meant. I love Tusk. Oh. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Yeah, but think about it, though. Like, there are people that are that mentally depraved, and if you had the knowledge... Mm-hmm. I mean, with YouTube nowadays... Like, there are stories... There's a story I saw of a guy that him and his neighbor... They built a homemade liposuction machine. Gross. And a dude performed liposuction on his friend, and they just watched like YouTube videos on how to perform liposuction. And the surgery that the guy did was flawless. The procedure he used, plastic surgeons saw what he did to the guy, and it was perfect. Unfortunately, they should have looked at their conversion charts a little bit better because he gave him a little bit too much anesthesia and killed him. Mm. But... The liposuction went great. So if he hadn't have done that, then his neighbor would have gotten liposuction for like $200. If you had the knowledge of how to be a surgeon, Mm -hmm. you could abduct somebody. I mean, just kidnapping somebody ruins their life for forever. Like you forever change this person's life. Like they never, nothing is ever right for them ever again. But imagine being tortured and cut up on. And you're completely disfigured to the point that you can't even be rebuilt back to a person. Right. And that's the part that fucked fucked with me up the most was, <laughs> what do you do with this guy? So you find this guy. So for those of you who don't know, this movie is called Tusk, written and directed by Kevin Smith. And it's about a podcaster who they like doing fucked up stories. Ooh, this is getting a little close to home. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this guy posts up in Canada that he has a really interesting stories to tell. So this podcaster goes to interview him, and he gets drugged by the guy, and the guy operates on him and turns him into a, a human walrus, and like cuts his legs off, sews his le- like cuts one of his legs off at the knee, sews his other leg together, and creates like a back tail fin. Um, sub so, sews his elbows into his body cavity into his ribs so his arms look like flippers and he adds skin and fat from other people that he killed to give him a walrus body takes the leg bones out that he took from the leg that he took off and sharpens those into tusk and surgically implants those into the guy's jaw cuts the guy's tongue out so he can't talk has completely disfigured this guy and so then what do you do like that that's the part that messed me up the most was no matter no amount of reconstructive surgery could ever put that guy back together so in the movie spoiler alert if you haven't seen it now too late but you should definitely go out and see it i absolutely love the movie i think it's brilliant (laughs) and it's insane it's just as insane as it sounds but it's they find the guy but they don't know what to do so they just put him in a zoo (laughs) Like a closed zoo, and his friend comes and visits him and like throws him fish. But at that point, they could reverse the surgeries, but he'd still be scarred to shit. He would have no tongue. Like, he would still have these weird holes in his head. So, I mean, that's the part that messed with me the most. Like, you can't... He was so disfigured that he couldn't come back from it. So, what do you do with that person? You can't kill him. I think I would rather be killed. Yeah. (laughs) Just you thaws me. But but you're you you're anti death anybody, and this guy lit it like in the movie he didn't do anything wrong. He's just kind of a dick, you know. My personal preference. That's what would, I would yeah, have yeah. wanted for myself. So, that situation. But that's what I got from the movie, and that's what really ultimately fucked me up the most. Was like there there's nothing in our society, you know. Mm. There's no there's no protocol like this right. would be the first ever thing, and then you would this person would live out his life. Just completely mangled or as a walrus? Like, right. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And that's what bothers me the most about the movie. And that's, I guess that's why I like it so much is like, it, it, it made me think about things that I've never thought of before. And it put me in a place like just to be uncomfortable. And it didn't give me, like, it gave me no solace or no solution. <laughs> it just made me uncomfortable and left me there. And I was just like, God, you know, and some people it doesn't resonate that much. And I probably thought about it way too much, but. <laughs> I mean, all you could do would just be watch TV and movies. That would be it. I mean, not a bad life. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty bad life. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me, but you could probably play video games. Not with flippers, you couldn't. Well, get his get his fingers back and his opposable thumbs. Be a gamer tag. I am walrus. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's too much. <laughs> so that's a long way off from being abducted by aliens. But still, it's, 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 it's right. I don't know. It raises interesting questions. Drug dealer tried to warn buyer that the drugs were dangerously strong, but it was too late. Boy goes into his room, shoots up heroin. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Dead. come out of his room. His dad comes, knocks on the door. Finds him face first in the bed, syringe in one hand, and phone in another. And then they go on the phone, and they pull it up. And the drug dealer had called him and left him a voicemail. 
and said, hey, I didn't cut the heroin, so don't take as much as you usually do because it's uncut. And there's there's probably some fentanyl in it, so be careful. And dude just did his regular uh, dose and uh, OD'd. Yep. They're charging the um, drug dealer with uh, murder or manslaughter. What are your thoughts of that? I mean, that's a conundrum. To me, this is this leads into the perfect reason why you should have, why drugs should be legal. Because if they're legal, then you can control it. Right. You can monitor it and control it. So an uncut heroin product would never get put into the streets. Right. So you wouldn't have people accidentally ODing. And just in general, the crime rate would be down. Just because it's legal, people aren't going to do it. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like, going to strip clubs is completely legal, but I've never been to one. Right. So, if heroin was legal, doesn't mean that I would go do it. So, mm. why couldn't we make it legal? I mean, at least you this this kid would still be alive in theory. And I know it's a highly contag- like highly addictive drug. It's out there in the world. So, there's one real simple reason. Fear is why <laughs> it's not legal. That and private prisons pay them. Goddamn Ronald Reagan. Well, not just him. More on drugs. Business, you know, those people financing them. Yeah, but first it was Reagan and his war on drugs. I mean, I'm pretty sure they might have had a hand in coaching him into doing on that, like, frontier. Alright, last story, and then we will go on with today's... Or this week's Person of the Week. Headline. Man accused of hammering ice pick through man's penis. Goddamn. <laughs> I love it when I can surprise you. A Utah man has been charged with sexual assault and kidnapping after authorities say he hammered a tool resembling an ice pick through another man's penis during an argument. What was the other man doing? That's what my question was. Why would he willingly see this guy grab something and go near his junk? Why is this other man's junk readily accessible to be hammered? Right. <laughs> was he tied up at the time? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. No, because it, like I would just I don't know. We'll proceed. The 45-year-old Jason D is scheduled to make a court appearance Wednesday in Salt Lake City. Online court records don't list an attorney. Oh, big news there. Court documents show that Jason is accused of putting a gun to the victim's head and handcuffing him to a chair on August 30th. The victim told police that he was given a choice of being killed in the desert or having a nail driven into his penis. He says he went to the hospital the next day for treatment after the dude took the handcuffs off. The charging documents describe the case as domestic violence says the men live together but doesn't explain their relationship. Oh, I know what their relationship was drugs oh no sounds like a drug dealer kind of thing to me threatening someone's life i guess yeah the guy doesn't i mean he just i don't know typically you can tell a lot by the picture but he just looks like a normal just i mean he looks like the guy that would hammer another guy's penis (laughs) (laughs) for but it doesn't look like a sexual pleasure thing that's a weird choice die or let me hammer your penis with a nail. Was that co-host of Tim Tuman Taylor? 
Al. Al Borland. Yes, he kind of looks like Al. <laughs> he does. Oh, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I got in the way of news. Um, ooh, I about started a podcast. Oh. I was going to talk about Trump not wanting to attend or walk 250 feet. Did you hear that story? No. So, this will lead into our next topic, Um, but uh, former President George H.W. Bush died, Mm -hmm. and his funeral was Wednesday, and it was across the street from the White House, approximately 250 feet from the White House to where the service was. Right. Did he call for a golf cart? He rode a limo. Sounds about right. So, Trump leaves the White House, gets in a limo, and drives 250 feet. To where he walks in and everybody's standing and he's the first one to sit down. And I was like, if the man is all about conserving energy, I don't know why you are, are shocked by by his actions at this point. I'm not shocked. It's just so disrespectful. It's unfucking real. <laughs> That's kind of why I expect it to be a golf cart, not even a fucking limo. Uh, you know, the, the official presidential golf cart would have been pretty impressive. But I think it's less secure. Oh, definitely is. And he's also a coward. That's probably part didn't take it. I did a little research on, on George H.W. Bush. But I figured it'd be fun if you took the lead and I could sit back and you could tell me a story. Oh, well, like I was telling you earlier, I didn't get much time right. <laughs> in the ways of this. But goddamn, he had a lot of, let's say, the political going here and there before getting to the president. Well, That's his family, sure. if, and I kind of, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole and I, I deep dove into his family, mm-hmm. you know, um, his dad was a senator. Yeah. His, his family always had, was always very well connected Yeah, and they were put in the positions to be successful mm-hmm. through their connections. Right. So, and it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it they, their family reminds me a lot of the Kennedys, like the the Joe Kennedy, the father, the patriarch. Right. Um, he was the the driving force behind you know John being elected. Uh, uh, Robert making his presidential run, and Teddy being what what he was because he wanted his kids to be in politics because he had aligned himself, you know. And, and as we discussed, you really don't get to the upper echelon of the 1%, you know. They're the right. 1% of the 1%. And they were dealing, they were, they were, the Bushes were friends with the Rockefellers. Mm. Like, Rockefeller Plaza in New York right. City. So the Bushes worked a lot with them, and the Rockefellers put them, put the Bushes into positions to make a shitload of money. Right. And so when you hear that, you know, uh, Bush by 19, I think it was 1964, he was a millionaire, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's impressive. But it's not that impressive when you look at how that came. I mean, it's kind of expected Mm -hmm. because he was, you know, the rich get richer and rich only surround themselves with rich people. Right. His dad, Prescott, and his grandfather... His grandfa- grandfather was just a minister, hmm. but he 
they had ties to the Rockefellers, and then Prescott got into the iron business just as like World War One was kicking off. Mm-hmm. So he had like he was like government money coming in. Yeah, he Thanks. was making money hand over fist of in in iron work and you know right. government subsidies subsidies and whatnot and then George H. W. Bush comes and he ends up owning an oil field. Yes he did. And that's where he made his money, but coincidentally, the same time that he was buying up these oil fields, he was also he later becomes the vice president under Richard Nixon, who takes America off the gold standard, mm-hmm. and we start using. Um, it's not all in one, but one of the uh, s- slide rule that we use that that we put our money on is the petrodollar. Yep. And petrol is oil, so you have an oil man who's the vice president, and mm-hmm. you get taken off the gold standard, and bada yeah. bing, bada boom, Jeb's your son. <laughs> yep. So, I hope I didn't spoil too much of what you had. Oh, um, nah. And I do I do have one story from his World War II days, and I'll chime in. Go right ahead. Um, once we get to that point, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, Pretty sure all of what I have is after that. So. Okay. Well... All right, hold on, let me take a drink. So, like I said, George H.W. Bush was son of uh, Prescott Bush. And he grew up in uh, Connecticut, very well off, you know, um, lived in a well-to-do neighborhood. Didn't really want for much. Um, And I'll still be researching this because I found a lot of interesting stuff that I kind of went down the rabbit hole in. Hmm. Um, Because Prescott Bush went to Yale... George H.W. Bush went to Yale, and George W. Bush's son went to Yale, and they were all part of the Skull and Crossbones Secret Society, which isn't so much a secret society anymore, but they do exist, it does exist, and they were a part of it. Right. But when he was 18 years old, he was an athlete, and instead of going on to college, Mm -hmm. he enlisted in the Navy. Yes. And joined World War II, and he was a fighter pilot. And got shot down. Yes. So this is two weeks we have men who... Were shot down. At least once. Were fighter pilots, and were shot down. At least once. At least once. (laughs) Um, It was actually a pretty cool story. Um, So Bush, he is the pilot of a plane... I don't. I, they told me the type of aircraft, but that means nothing to me, so I didn't retain right. the information. But they were taking. They were sent to take out a Japanese radio station, mm-hmm. like a radio tower. So the plane comes in and to take out the tower, and they they encounter anti air, air fire, um, and nice. I think and I think aircraft as well. Um, they take the tower out, but they get hit in the process. Yes. So Bush, being the pilot, he issues the the order for everybody to bail out. So the two other men in the plane with him, they eject. Mm -hmm. And the pilot has to keep the plane so it doesn't... Fall in enemy hands. Yeah. Well, they don't jump out. One, they don't jump out and get fucking hit by this plane that's just gone into fucking chaos up in the sky. Uh, So they jump out and he... Steers over the ocean. He carries it over the island. Mm-hmm. So, and then he's he realizes he can land it in the water. 
So he does a crash landing in the water. Mm. So he lands in the water. Shark infested. Yes. And, but worse, there's a Japanese boat, gunboat coming to him. So he's in the water like, ah, fuck me. And then like out of a movie, the fucking periscope breaks the seal of water in front of him. And it's a U.S. submarine Mm -hmm. that surfaces in between him and the Japanese boat. Right. And they save his ass so he doesn't get captured. The two guys that eject over the island, they get caught, tortured, and fucking killed. Jesus. And George H.W. gets on the submarine. I don't know what happens. They just kind of... They do submarine things. Yeah. (laughs) I would imagine that like this... Because the submarine just can't go back underwater. Like, they gotta, you know... Yeah. Get ballast and all that. Right. So, there was a cool ship chase... You know, all of Fast and Furious 9, maybe 8. I know there was a submarine in, in Fate of the 8. I've never watched those movies after I, the second one. I haven't either after the third. But So imagine the submarine and this boat are just chasing each other with George H.W. Bush in there like, man, I just got shot down, you know. All right. And then the submarine dives and the boat's fucked because it can't go under the water. And these right. Japanese guys are all pissed off. But one of the things they did say after, like, a pilot, um, the cure, like, you would get back, and, I mean, flying in and of itself, Mm. to me, would be stressful. Right. Like, that just seems horrible. Like, I saw a video, there was a pilot in in England, uh, there was a crosswind, Mm -hmm. so imagine the runway is coming in front of you, and the nose of the plane was all the way to the left. Heading into the wind, so it landed sideways, and then he had to turn it when it landed. He had to fucking whip it straight. Right, he had to drift it a little bit. Huh. I mean, this was a jet. This was a commercial airliner, not like a little prop plane. Like there was like a hundred and some people on board, and he just like handled it like a boss. Mm. But anyway, so these pilots, and they're they're eighteen years old, like. That's a whole other world. Like, I can't even fathom, at 18, flying a jet, let alone flying a jet in combat, and let alone flying a jet in combat where somebody's shooting at me. Right. So he lands. I don't think these were necessarily jets, so much as propeller planes. Right. But still, you know, playing dogfights in the sky. So you land, and you get you get on land, and they go. They send you to the doctor to make sure, because that adrenaline pump, and you could have got shot and not know it. So they check you out, and they're like, how are you doing, son? And he's like, I'm rattled. I'm rattled, Sarge. And he goes, well, go to the med tent. So he goes to the med tent. You know what they gave him? Hmm. Shot a whiskey and told him to go lay down. Right. <laughs> sounds solid. Well, I think there's, that, that like, I think handling that versus... You know, and I'm not trying, like, I haven't been to war. I've been lucky enough that I haven't had to deal with it. Right. I mean, I've dealt with it. Like, I've lived, th- it's been going on in my life, but I haven't For had what, to. 14 years? Yeah. Some stupid. Yeah. Mm. Like, George H.W. Bush got us, like, I was in the second grade when Desert Shield kicked off, mm. you know. So, but I've never had to go to war, and I don't know what it's like, but I feel like, you don't hear about guys from World War Two, like PTSD wasn't a thing, you know. Like, well, it was. It was just called something else. Shell shock. Yes. So, but I just I don't I don't know 
if I don't know. I don't know if they're just like the way they had to deal with it. If it was still there, they just wouldn't let themselves uh, handle. Like if they wouldn't let themselves feel the emotion. Well, here's the thing that a lot of people neglect is that in our modern day, we have more ways of connecting with people. So stories, information get a lot around easier than back in the day. So right. it was probably not well handled. But stories didn't get to the public. Right. So you think it was just as... There were just as many problems you just didn't hear I about. I think it was proportionally the same. Fair enough. Alright, so... So George H.W. Bush gets back to America. Mm-hmm. Join, goes to Yale. Meets his lady, Barbara Pierce. And he had the longest marriage of any president yep. in the United States. Wasn't the richest. Nope. Was not the richest, but one of. He was one of the richest. It was like, was it 1925 to 2018? Yeah. Solid run. So, Alright, tell me about the man. Well, he had a very busy political career, we'll say. Uh, starting with his uh, earliest congressional years was between 1967 to 1971. And then from there, he went to be the ambassador to the UN from 1971 to 1973. Okay. Following that, he was the chairman of the RNC. And he was in that position for a year. So then 1974 to 1975, he then went on to be the head of the U.S. liaison for China. Okay. And then from there, he had a year break. Took the year only off. break that I could see yeah. as far as looking this stuff up. From 1976 to 1977, he was the director of Central Intelligence. Uh-huh. And then the plot from thickens. 1977 to 1981, he had various other career options for the moment. He was a chairman of a bank. He was a part-time professor at a college. He was... A counselor of foreign affairs relationships. And then, in the middle of that, is when he started planning his first, just, outings to go to be a president. Between 1979 to 1980, he had attended 850 political events. That's what I could find. Traveled over 250,000 miles. He was booking it. And he didn't even win that time around. (laughs) Yep, he didn't win the presidency. And he was one of the few in most recent years that only had one term. And that was from 1989 to 1993. And he had a busy, busy presidency. Yeah, his presidency was... um... Two different wars. Yep. The Berlin Wall. Yep. And just a shit ton of other things. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as scandalous things... Only recently came to light that he had a bad habit of a bad joke when taking a picture with women. Right. Whenever the picture was about to be taken, he would say, do you know what my favorite magician was? David Copperfield. And then supposedly grabbed their ass. (laughs) And his wife apparently knew and rolled her eyes. So, I found an article Mm -hmm. by Michael Neiman. And he had... A position on Bush. Mm-hmm. 
and he feels he gives eight reasons why George H.W. Bush was a detestable president. Okay. Because everything I've seen said he was pretty good in person. Well, I, it's like I said, I mean, okay, for all accounts, like I said, I mentioned the Kennedys earlier, Joe Kennedy was not a good man. Right. Like, um, he had a daughter who had mental issues and he right. just locked her up. Um, you know, was pretty hard on his sons, like, didn't matter what they wanted to do. He, like, he did a lot of shady shit to get right. them into power. And I have a feeling, so did the Bush family. Now, I don't know if H.W. was so much a part of it, or, right. and, you know, can you really blame the son for the sins of his father? Right. And, and, and no president has come out scot-free. You know, right. there's, they're starting to release stuff that happened during the Obama administration, um, and oh, yeah. some stuff that... We already knew he, Obama fucked up as well. <laughs> Hell, Bush and Obama didn't charge any of the fucking bankers with any crimes oh, for I the know. crash. Do you listen... Do you, do you hear about the Wells... Do you listen to the Wells Fargo dollar podcast? No. Oh. It'll set you... It, it pissed me off so I, bad. I believe it. Like, Obama could have put the president of Wells Fargo who was knowingly enrolling people in bank accounts and putting them in debt and then... Mm-hmm putting them in bankruptcy and taking their houses. Yeah. So they can resell it. Yeah. But they like knowingly doing this, he had a chance to put the president behind bars and didn't do it. And then gave him bailout money. Mm-hmm. Horse shit. So the oh. number one thing was the Willie Horton campaign ad. The now infamous Willie Horton campaign ad successfully deployed by Team Bush in 1988 campaign for president featured images of Willie Horton, a black man serving a life sentence for a felony murder conviction who escaped from custody while on a weekend furlough from prison and went on to rape a white woman and brutally assault her fiancé. The governor who signed the furlough was Bush's Democrat opponent, Michael Dukakis. The -hmm. sitting president, Ronald Reagan, signed identical furlough requests most governors did as a routine matter. But the Bush team made this furlough central to their campaign using blurry, high-contrast images of Horton that resembled a wanted poster from a one-way slave in the antebellum South. Mm. The Willie Horton campaign ad blew a powerful dog whistle, awakening white racists and fear. The success of the ad spurred a generation of race-baiting ads by Republican candidates that have picked the nation's festering racism and undermined race, racial justice. Right. Guided by Newt Gingrich, the newest racist campaign uses coded, coded us versus them language to provide a veneer of plausible deniability to otherwise racist message. See, this is a common thing with Republicans. It really is. Whether it's up to the actual individuals who are running the campaign or the people who they hire to do it, they always seem to go for the racists in their party. Well, it's fear. It's fear mongering. I know. Uh, Just a common trick. Number two, the invasion of Panama. Barely one year into his presidency, in December of 1989, Bush invaded Panama for the ostensible reason of execu- executing an American arrest warrant against the national populist strongman and leader Manuel Noriega. Noriega, for his part, was a CIA asset during the period when Bush was CIA director prior to becoming Ronald Reagan's vice president. Ronald Reagan's vice president. Noriega also served the U.S. as an asset during the Reagan era contra war against Nicaragua when he was photographed meeting with Bush. By 1989, however, Noriega was difficult to handle. The invasion to arrest him cost the lives of as many as 3,000 Panamanians and destroyed the working class Panamanian neighborhood of Chirilo. The Bush administration named the war Operation Just Cause. The 
Inter-American Commission on Human Rights this year ordered the U.S. to pay reparations for the war, though that's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. And that's kind of like, that's a thing that we're learning, but we're not... Because they always have sealed documents that we can't see for some Right, years. but we're learning it like Saddam was our pet, and mm-hmm. we... We gave yeah. guns to Saddam. We armed Saddam. And then he got off his leash and he went nuts. We did the same thing with Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And it's something like, I wish that we would just... And it's common It's common knowledge, but nobody believes it. Mm-hmm. You know. And if you tell people that, then they start getting in arguments. And they're like, no, it's, no, no. It's and- kind of like when you tell people that our government literally paid the uh, football association to start having their teams stand for the national anthem. Right. Back when Bush Jr. was the president. Right. When he started the wars over in the Middle East because they need more volunteers. And people don't believe that. They're like, they always do. I'm like, no. Literally, no, they used to stand in the tunnels until after it. Mm-hmm. And they would come out through banders and all that shit. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And you can literally look up the documentation of it, and people just refuse. Number three, targeting targeting civilians in Iraq. Bush launched the Gulf War first Operation Desert Shield in August of 1990, then intensified it as as Desert Storm in January 1991. Ostensibly, the war was to restore the Kuwait monarchy to power after the nation was invaded by Iraq. Saddam Hussein, however, invaded Kuwait only after effectively receiving the green light to do so from Bush's ambassador to Iraq. April Gillespie. The war saw 88,500 tons of bombs fall on Iraq and Kuwait over the course of 43 days, initially killing as many as 13,000 Iraqi civilians and 2,000 Iraqi troops, most of whom were killed by bombardment as as they fled Kuwait. The bombs target essential Iraqi infrastructure such as water, sewage treatment facilities, food processing plants, agriculture facilities, and the national... The nation's electric grid and transportation infrastructure, as many as an additional 70,000 secondary Iraqi deaths resulted from this infrastructure damage. Number four, the racist war on drugs. Bush, Mm -hmm. the warrior, was on a roll during the first two years as his presidency, also escalating the so-called war on drugs. In 1989, he held a live televised address from the White House holding up a bag of crack seized by police in Washington's Lafayette Park Mm -hmm. across from Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House. The bust later turned out to be a PR event orchestrated by agents who lured a drug dealer into the park. Citing the high-profile arrest across from the White House, Bush called for more prisons, more jails, more courts, more prosecutors, while maintaining the racist legal disparities that made black drug users 12 times more likely to go to jail as white drug users. I actually forgot about that story. I actually know something about that. You actually know more into that story. They were trying to see, or show it how easy it was to accumulate drugs in this country. So, they actually tried to get a guy to show up across from the White House. The guy couldn't find it. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that story. But now they're coming, they're, they're finding out that uh, Pablo Escobar was working with Reagan. And mm-hmm. Reagan was allowing Escobar to import cocaine into the country. Right. And it was literally... So they could, like, and everything, there. a lot of these conspiracy theories that they'd, they'd always said was conspiracy and there's no proof, they're finding out that were actually true, was that they were using, they were putting cocaine into um, low-income neighborhoods and stuff, and they were getting, you know, the, uh, the minorities addicted to drugs right. to get rid of them. 
Essentially. Right. So, I mean. Hell, look at Flint, Michigan. We still haven't fixed their pipes. Yeah. And that's why when, when you say, like, 9-11 was an inside job and people are like, I just can't see our government doing it. Like, I totally can. Right. Like, I saw the documentaries and could I see it? Yes. But there's also some other things. Like, more recently I've looked into, or I've heard other stuff and read other stuff that makes me, you know. Well, not to mention that we know for a fact that document was given to Bush Jr. when he was on a month vacation within his first year of presidency. And he was told that, hey, these guys are playing son. And he literally told the guy, you cut your ass now, get out of here. That was his exact response. <laughs> he gave zero shits. <laughs> right. Number five, the October surprise. As President Bush used his office to obstruct justice and thwart investigations into criminal activities of the Reagan administration, where he served as vice president, the October surprise refers to allegations that representatives of the Reagan campaign conspired with Iranian leaders prior to 1980 presidential election. At the time, Iranian students were holding 52 Americans hostage in Iran to the embarrassment of the administration of President Jimmy Carter. According to allegations, Reagan campaign representatives cut a deal with Iran to hold the hostages until after the election, election thus making Carter seem weak. Witnesses placed Reagan's campaign chief and subsequent CIA director William Casey meeting with the Iranian government representatives in Madrid during the 1980 campaign, but Bush, as president, thwarted the investigation by withholding important information regarding Casey's whereabouts at the time that he was supposedly in Madrid without his collaborating evidence. The Congressional Task Force investigation of the October surprise has to dismiss the allegations. In 2013, Lee Hamilton, who chaired the investigation, admitted that it might have ended differently if Bush didn't withhold evidence. Investigative reporter Robert Perry, who passed away earlier this year, reported in 2013 that archivists at the George H.W. Library released documents to him revealing White House knowledge of the incriminating trip. Again, the Internet's making everything easier to come out, so that's why oh, we're catching yeah. people a lot earlier now. Number seven, indifference to age. Bush's main crimes here was an indifference to human life, which manifests itself in inaction as the AIDS play continued and unabated more focused on wars than domestic affairs, Bush's priorities did not include funding any meaningful action to stem the AIDS crisis, either through research or treatment. His ignorant stance on the disease, which, when, when uttered as president, contributed to false narratives undermining any meaningful response to the crisis. Focusing on gay men, he argued the disease vectors were behavioral and, at the same time, in other parts of the world, poverty and not sexually oriented intravenous drug use were emerging as vectors. When AIDS activists re reacted to this comment, Bush responded, You can't talk about it. You can't talk about AIDS rationally. And number eight, Bush also gave us the notorious offshore limbo of the Guantanamo Bay detentions. When Haitian refugees escaping the violent surroundings in the 1991 coup in the country sought asylum in the U.S., Bush opened up a camp for them at the U.S. naval base at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. His purpose was similar to that of his sons, George Jr., in that he wanted a place to hold people without allowing them on U.S. soil under protection of U.S. law. To Bush, the Haitians posted a threat unlike any other refugee group or migrant population. Of course, none of these instances of cruel and Detestable behavior contradict the claims made in political obituaries about George H.W. Bush's civil treatment of those whom he deemed worthy of civility. 
His treatment of President Clinton and Obama, for example, are hallmarks of political civility. Amid the praise of his civility, however, we must not forget that he was also a despicable person whose presidency set us on a course of endless war, led to hundreds of thousands of deaths, established a model for racist dog whistle politics, undermining the humanity of AIDS sufferers, covering up criminal activity at the highest level of government, and worked to undermine not just government accountability, but also the rule of law. Boom. What you said is pretty much every Republican in recent years. <laughs> right. Cover-ups and all that Well, bullshit. every president. I mean, you know, yeah, but ever. not to the same extent. Yeah, well, some have been more lucky than others, but... And going back to an Obama reference that you made earlier, did you hear about his supposed thinkings of a pick for nominee this year? Uh-uh. That person has already decided to step down under enlightenment that he himself should have slapped a huge, huge ass fine on a bank before the crashes because they had already done wrong. And he slapped him with a couple million. Uh-huh. And then he was paid by that bank. Oh. Yeah. Dirty dogs. Yeah. It's not looking good for them and their picks. No. And that's why I just, I I mean, like I said, I don't like it, but it's it's two-term Trump. I don't think it is. I just, I don't think the Democrats are going to be able to get together. Like, I... And even, like, the only way, the only way, and I'll agree with you, is Bernie is the best shot, mm-hmm. but they have to get behind him. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to. And they he will end up running as an independent, I... and... That will completely just... No, no, he won't run as an event. You don't think? He'll do the same thing he did last year, which was back whoever the Democratic nominee is. He'll do the same thing, if that's the case. But even then, the independents will be pissed and won't vote for him. And it wouldn't right. be, in that case, a two-term Trump. But at this point in stand, the only reason why Bernie lost to Hillary is because she had a two or 300 out-the-gate advantage... Because the superdelegates. And they also, they fucked him though. They fucked him at the DNC. She only won by less than 200. Right. They slashed over 200 seats. So right now, if it was to be him and her again, he would win easily. And not only that, but down in the earlier states that they do, he has better name recognition than he did then. Hmm. It would be far easier for him to win against anyone else that the Democrat Party puts up right now. And the independents vote for Bernie. Most independents, heck, some most Republicans right now are regretting Trump. Look at the Midwest mom, right? In like Kansas, didn't Kansas just elect their first Democratic governor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not looking good. And speaking of interesting elections, did you hear about North Carolina? Huh. They, the Republicans, have not confirmed on two different occasions now one race. Because of blatant wrongdoing. <laughs> and it's always funny how Republicans say there's all this election fraud, election fraud. Because the best comment someone's ever said that I've heard was, it's all projection. They project what they would do if they had to. And this guy's committing voter fraud, and it's amazing. In a county, for example, where the Republicans have only, like, registered Republicans in this county are 19%. Hmm. So, heavily Democratic and independent. That person, the Republican, got over 63% of the mail-in ballots. That's wow. Yeah, that's fishy, because if you look back at the old records, 
it never swings that heavily. Right. Heck, even one Republican <clears throat> incumbent at the time got one vote in one of those elections. That's how mm. not likely mail-in ballots would be for Republicans. Right. Yeah. So they're rampantly looking into this. As they should be. And they're going to have to probably do a revote, which will be the first time in North Carolina's history. That would be awesome. And it took the Democratic nominee like two weeks to finally say he takes back his concessions. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad the Democratic Party is on fucking fighting back against Republicans. Right. They have no spawn because they're donors. Back True. Then. But all right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for the week. Do you have any parting words? Uh, not really. Just keep on trucking. All right, folks. Have a good week.